The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Cannabis Enlightened, produced in San Diego, California. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode, another stimulating episode of Cannabis Enlightened. I am your host, Dr. Leroy, and today we have someone who has seen perhaps many sides of cannabis as we enlighten ourselves with the knowledge of cannabis and what's going on in the cannabis space. He is a fascinating guest, and I can't wait to talk to Mr. Dustin Moore, founder of Embark. And in just a minute, we will be hearing from him. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Dr. Leroy after this quick break. You're listening to Cannabis Enlightened on the Olas Media Podcast Network. Okay, we are back with Dustin Moore, who is the founder of Embark. And many of you are saying to yourself, or maybe you know already, uh, we may have a lot of fans out there, Dustin, who already know what Embark is all about. But Dustin, would you come in, introduce yourself, and give us a little background about uh, in terms of who you are and what you're all about? Well, first, Dr. Leroy, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm a huge fan. Um, I've been, a, been an avid listener. So, so first, thank you for having me. So I am uh, the founder of Embark. We are a retail platform in California, um, and we operate a number of dispensaries throughout the state. So, you know, I did not come into this business, um, you know, really kind of from a kind of a traditional angle, I guess. I really started um, from a public policy perspective. I was the day-to-day campaign manager for Proposition 64, um, and I worked really in politics uh, leading up into my entry into the space. So Proposition 64, uh, although most of our listening audience knows about Proposition 64. Can you give us a brief background? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, starting in 1996, you know, we legalized medical use cannabis in California. And up until 2016, um, you know, there really weren't any regulations in, in place. So starting in about 2014, the legislature really started to work on putting a regulatory package in place for cannabis. Uh, the political will wasn't there. So they really wanted to go to the voters. Uh, That drafting process started in 2014 to to create a comprehensive piece of legislation that would uh, govern adult use cannabis in California. And I was just so happened to be fortunate enough to be tapped to help with the drafting and the management of that campaign. So for the people that are listening, um, they can know that as they are listening to you, you were part of the team or the person perhaps who wrote Prop 64 that brought um, legalization to cannabis here in California. So, so Rich Maddich was the was the lead drafter, um, and he was he's a phenomenal attorney. Um, he's now at the FPPC, but um, yeah, I worked very closely with Rich. We worked with over 550 stakeholders to put in place uh, this framework. Often, ballot initiatives, um, you know, deals cut between you know somebody from the business community and from the labor community, and they. You know, shake hands and they ride off into the sunset, and that is the measure. But cannabis was a lot different. You had folks from basically every walk of life and every discipline uh, that provided some sort of input in this uh, document, and it was it was kind of a Herculean task to to wrangle all of it. And this task was not done just because you were there or because 
you wanted to make a whole bunch of money as, as some people think that there is in cannabis. I think you had another reason for involving yourself in cannabis. What was that? Yeah, cannabis is is deeply personal to me, and it's a story that you know, um, you know, prior to me going into the operational side of this business, that I didn't share with too many. When I was seven, my father um, had a number of brain aneurysms, uh, clots that that all um, basically erupted at the same time. He went through an experimental surgery. He was pronounced dead on the table for about five minutes before they were able to resuscitate him, and miraculously, he made it out of the other side relatively similar to the way that he went in with the one exception that he had significant seizures. Mm. Uh, this was before 1996 and cannabis, medical cannabis was not even legal at the time. So, you know, as far as options went, you know, there really wasn't a lot of education around cannabis, but he did have a very progressive uh, doctor that suggested he may want to try um, cannabis because there was some interesting research um, coming out of San Francisco and a number of cannabis clubs where that was you know was working. So nice. uh, you know my dad actually you know was a victim of the failed war on drugs and was actually cited for for cannabis possession and um, the seizure subsided and he realized there were other benefits um, you know from from the plant and you know from a very early age I saw cannabis as a medicine. So I, I was really fortunate to have been you know um, exposed to cannabis through that lens. So let me back up for just a minute. Everything you've said is is just fascinating. Um, your dad was involved in the, uh, as you your term, the failed war on drugs, uh, which I happen to agree with. How did that happen? What part did he play in that? He he got arrested for purchasing cannabis on the street, and it wasn't even good cannabis. It was it was you know, <laughs> it was cannabis the siege because this was the you know this is the early nineties and uh, Sensamia was not really you know, present in, in California yet, you were kind of Brian Brickweed and, uh, you know, that largely smelled like diesel from the tank that it, that it came in. So, um, you know, he, he was arrested and it was a bit traumatic. I mean, thankfully child protective services didn't get involved, but so many families, um, prior to the legalization of, of adult use cannabis in California were broken up because of the need for somebody to medicate. And, um, you know, fortunately that did not happen to me. Um, you know, fortunately he did not serve a long-term sentence, but, you know, it was still something that he was criminalized for, um, using medicine. And, and from that moment on, it really became an issue of right and wrong in my mind. And, um, you know, it's something that, uh, has, has stuck with me. Um, so he was actually arrested and, and convicted and did time for possession of cannabis. He got it. He, he didn't actually do, he was arrested. Uh, he did not do any significant time. You know, he's fortunate in the sense that um, given where, you know, given his background, he wasn't policed in the way that others were. And, um, you know, so, so fortunately that, that was his outcome, but for so many, he, you know, are, are not as fortunate as he was. So when he purchased the, the cannabis, was he suffering from the seizures at that time? Yes. Okay. All right. And I don't know, so I'm just asking you, it, it got progressively worse the older he got. Was it because of the cannabis or not? But he still kept cannabis as a ritual as part of his life, given some of the other ailments that came from the surgery. And I think just generally, he realized it was part of his daily you know, regimen. Now, was this something that you knew as you were growing up and you kept it in your mind and this stuck with you as you got to the point where you were involved in cannabis uh, politics, cannabis writing of, of Prop 64? Is that is that something that, that stayed with you? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, my dad and I went together, I got my, my medical card at the OCBC in Oakland. Um, you know, the moment I turned 18, it was, it was almost like a badge of honor, um, to have arrived at that point post medical legalization. But, um, yeah, cannabis policy, I've always been really passionate about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and politics and policy are fundamentally different things, right? Politics are, are, um, you know, the way that you achieve policy. And I just, um, you know, was very, very passionate about policy, but also the politics that would arrive at a political outcome where this policy could survive. Do you feel like uh, cannabis is caught up in in the politics of um, our society right now? Absolutely, but it's it's a fundamental shift from where it was. Uh, you know, when my dad first started consuming cannabis, now it's used to galvanize, you know, voter turnout. I was at the Clio Awards this last weekend and, you know, the Cannabis Voter Project was featured for having mobilized, um, you know, as a bipartisan issue. I mean, you have folks like Seth Rogen now in national campaigns that are using cannabis to turn out the vote, which is just, you know, it's it's inspiring to me that that's where we've where we've you know how far we've come. We have a long way to go. Let's be clear. But but um, right. Make progress. Right. Now. Let's move in. So your dad is doing well now. Yes. Okay. I've been privileged to be put in front of so many different patient communities. And, um, you know, as an example, just a few weekends ago, we held a weed for warriors event at our Fresno, um, dispensary and the turnout was incredible and not just for the cannabis, but for the community. Um, we have other veterans, um, you know, that, that are, um, our employees who have told us that, Hey, this is the first time we felt like we've had a family since we left service. It's just this plant is magical and it has the ability to unify communities um, in such a positive way. And not because of the THC that's in it. Um, I I know that most people uh, that I come across um, and I tell them what I do, I'm a uh, podcast host uh, for Cannabis Enlightened. The first thing that comes to their mind is the THC and the getting high. Um, Then I have to quickly change and say, well, you know, (laughs) there's CBD, there's CBN, there's a lot of cannabinoids that are in cannabis that can help. Do you come across um, those kind of individuals? Yeah, the the learning curve is steep. Uh, The endocannabinoid system is so complex and what cannabinoid works for you may not work for me. And, you know, it's so important that people understand that this is not just about getting high, so much more complex than that. And, And I think there are so many different um, cannabinoids like, you know, CBN, non-psychoactive for sleep. I mean, there's, there's, and, and, you know, we're finally at a place where we're, we're getting to do research now. I mean, we're proud of, I'm very proud of Prop 64, the amount of money that was able to be deployed for research through the, through the university systems in California. And I think we're just barely scratching the surface of what this plant can do. Yeah. I cringe sometimes. And I, I'm, I guess you might too, when I hear a lot of my friends talk about buying cannabis at the gym or buying cannabis at 7-Eleven, um, you know, a gas station on the way from here to there. And I say to them, do you really know what you're getting? Do you know what you're buying? And they'll say, well, not necessarily, but it says cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure those are some of the, the, the kind of comments you've come across too in your travels through the, the cannabis industry. Yeah, and I think it's the biggest challenge is the lack of access to to legal cannabis, even in California, where 70% of the, the state still does not allow for legal sales. Uh, but where cannabis is becoming, you know, legal, 
I think you're starting to see people, you know, transition to licensed dispensaries because, you know, look, we, we, we are as a society now try to eat close to the earth, work more cognizant as a society of what we put in our bodies and to put cannabis in your body that has not gone through rigorous analytical lab testing is, you know, just seems a little bit crazy to me, but, but I think largely people do that because they don't have access to legal cannabis. So now that that's changing, I sure hope that folks will change their consumption preferences because of it. Yeah. You know, I've had scientists on the program talk about the importance of making sure that your cannabis has been tested. And, you know, for all intent and purposes, if it's tested, it's going to be sold at a legal dispensary. And for you to hear you say that is really big. I mean, you're not a scientist necessarily, but you're a founder of a cannabis industry a store. So it's important to you that people get cannabis that is legal and tested, correct? A absolutely. And I think we can look no further than a couple of years ago when we saw um, you know, a pretty large epidemic of lung diseases attributed to the consumption of cannabis vaporizers. Well, if you looked at the areas where those cases were occurring, it was in parts of the state where cannabis was not legal yet. And there's a direct correlation between the illicit um, cannabis vape pens and those particular diagnoses. Unfortunately, um, they all got lumped together and it was said, well, cannabis vapes cause, you know, lung disease. Well, in fact, it was the lack of analytical lab testing is what is, you know, being found out objectively with, with science is showing that, that that was simply because those were not tested in legal products. So there's a great example of why, um, you know, using legal cannabis uh, that's been tested is so critically important. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So now you talked about the importance of um, getting cannabis from a light that's licensed from a licensed store. Now there seems to be another thing that's a drawback uh, to a lot of people, and that's the cost of the legal cannabis. So what's your take on the price? I'll say this: that what do you think is the cause of the high price of the cannabis? I mean, we have state and local taxes that exceed, you know, 40 to 50%. And if you look at, um, if you look at the price of, you know, cannabis, you can buy at the gym, it's about 40 to 50% less than you could buy in the store. Well, the only difference there is the taxes. So, you know, unfortunately, um, cannabis is often seen as a silver bullet to budget woes. And that's what creates the political will to pass legislation. Um, but the direct effect of that is that you price cannabis so, you know, at such a high rate that folks, you know, especially looking now at inflation and gas prices, I, you know, I understand why people, you know, can't afford to buy cannabis. So really a lot of regulation and taxes that drive up the cost of what folks are buying from licensed shops. Yeah. Yeah. So now you talked a few minutes ago about your dispensaries. Let's, let's get into that. How many dispensaries do you have throughout uh, California? So we have five open today. Our sixth one opens in about a week and a half in my hometown of Sacramento. We're so proud, um, you know, that that that's happening, and we have another seven that are planned to open um, in the next couple of quarters. Um, we're on track to get to about twenty-two stores wow. by the first quarter of of twenty twenty-four. So we're, you know, we feel fortunate in this moment in time to be growing as a company. Um, we're very excited about that. Wow, that's a lot of stores throughout um, California. That's magnificent. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. So now with that, the, the five that you have, um, how many employees do you you carry? 
So right now we are about a, a company of about 100 employees. That includes our corporate staff and our stores. We're, we're pretty lean, um, so we're not a you know we we we're we're pretty lean staff across the board. But um, we'll be at at 200 you know by the second quarter of next year. So it's uh, pretty meteoric growth for us right now. And it really at the end of the day, we're nothing without our team. Uh, we built an incredible team, and we just feel fortunate to be you know we, we it's funny because you know Lauren, uh, our my better half and and our CEO, <laughs> we always joke that we've become stewards of this. This idea that we had at a kitchen table uh, during the pandemic has now turned into um, you know, something that we has grown has outgrown us. And we're so proud of that. Right, right. So let me ask you this, Dustin. We have quite a few people that listen to the program that, uh, as I said on the offset, um, want to get into the business and um, for various reasons. I think they would benefit from hearing from you. What are some of the things that they might want to consider before getting into the business of cannabis? It's going to be a lot harder than you think. It's going to take twice (laughs) as long. It's going to cost twice as much. But if you can keep your head down, it's the most rewarding thing that you can do, I believe, Um, for me personally. Um, There's just something special about folks who self-select into this industry, um, the passion that people have to, to go to work every day. It's not like selling a cup of coffee or, you know, wh- whatever industry you may be in. It really does take a special type that there, there's, there's typically we find that there's an element of people that self-select into this space that really do care about other people um, because this plant has properties that, you know, that I think they're naturally caring people. So this has been um, I've been surrounded by some of the best people, but I would say that it's challenging but worthwhile. And I think there's a lot of different ways to enter the industry. I think it's also, you know, very important to spend some time learning about the industry before entering and understanding, you know, different elements of the supply chain and you know some of the non-plant touching sides of the business. And and you know, there's a lot of you know companies, you know, specifically in cannabis that that don't get the same kind of traditional services, whether it be payroll or point of sale, you know, et cetera. That in the cannabis industry, it's much harder to find, you know, good providers. So it's not necessarily entering the industry doesn't necessarily mean that you're a licensed cannabis business, but you may be providing, you know, a service to to a cannabis business. I think that there's been over, I think, a hundred thousand jobs created uh, by this industry in California alone, and there's certainly going to be more created, and not all of those are uh, created by licensed businesses. Right. I love it. I love that you're, you're, you're bringing up that point. I'd stress to people that I talk to that, you know, think about the gold rush days uh, in California and the number of people that got rich, you know, mining gold. But also on the other side, think about Levi Strauss, yeah. who decided to sell Levi's. Now, I don't know too many people that are mining gold right now, but oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing a pair of Levi's right now, and I'm willing to bet there are a lot of folks um, throughout California and throughout the, the country, throughout the world that are wearing Levi's. So developing a business that supports a business like cannabis would, would be as beneficial as being in the cannabis industry. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's also very translatable to other, you know, other states. It's, you know, it's harder to take a a licensed business and move into other states because of the rules, et cetera. But, you know, as an example, I have a friend, dear friend that started a point of sale company. It's going really well for them and and they're able to much, you know, they can scale that at a much faster clip um, in other states because they're not tied to having to create significant infrastructure in every state in which they operate. Right, right. Now you talked about uh, a person learning a little bit 
before learning some things, learning about cannabis, not some things, but learning about cannabis, what would you suggest? What's a good way for a person to learn about cannabis before actually sticking their foot in it, getting their hands, you know, in the cannabis industry? Well, they need to enroll in one of your, your courses first. That's, that's, <laughs> that, is the, that, that would be the first step. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of different resources that exist. I think some of them, there's a, a new program called Gangier, which is um, a gentleman named Max Simon from Greenflower that's that's creating, you know, kind of trying to create standardized curriculums. I would also say, you know, go into your local dispensary and, you know, talk to your bud tender or your guide or your sales associate about, you know, what challenges they may face. I mean, it's often, you know, how do you solve a problem? I think that's, you know, how do you create value? Um, and I think you can talk to whether it's a grower or a dispensary owner, um, you know, and ask him what they're ask them about their challenges, and then you know think about your own skill set, um, you know, and how you could apply yourself to help solve those problems. I think you know cannabis is riddled with challenges, and you know there we we need more uh, capable people that are willing to step up and help solve solve problems. You you just brought up a word that I had um, typed for a question to pose to you uh, early on, challenges. What are the biggest challenges that you find in the industry as a founder? Well, um, <laughs> hey, deep that, breath. That's a, that is a great, that's a great question. Um, I don't know how much time we have. I can spend, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I think some of the biggest challenges are generally that cannabis still has a very big stigma around it. So whether you're dealing with your local municipality, your regulator, your banker, um, you know, whoever it may be, there's a significant learning curve on the front end. So folks understand that this is just a business and that people are doing this for the right reason. So the stigma in and of itself creates the largest challenge. As a dispensary operator, I think we're on the tip of the spear breaking those stigmas because we're forward facing in communities. But I would say that that's probably, you know, one of the biggest challenges is breaking through the stigma. Um, you know, we are in a retail business. So I think, you know, you've got a lot of personalities as we build teams. So working through that is is critical. Education, education, education. Um, I just can't stress that enough, whether it be, um, you know, again, municipalities, regulators, your employees, whatever it may be. We really see ourselves as facilitators um, of what we're doing as, as stewards of this industry. And, you know, I think we just have to keep breaking down the barriers. Wow. Wow. That is great advice. I appreciate that. And I hope the people listening to this particular episode of the podcast take this to heart from a founder of one of the more progressive, thinking forward cannabis industries here in California, Embark. Uh, Dustin, is there any parting words you'd like to leave with the listening audience in terms of the cannabis industry, why they should go in it, how they should go in it? What would be a thought that you would like them to have at the forefront of their mind? You know, I think that if you're listening in and you care about this industry, kudos to you because we need people to continue to champion the efforts of normalizing this magical plant that has so many beneficial properties to our society and a society that's as divided as we are today. Um, we need a lot more cannabis in our lives. So please, please keep up what you're doing. Right. Great. So now, if folks would like to get in touch with you to maybe follow up and say, hey, I'd like to talk to the man, how would they reach you? Our website is goembark.com. So G-O-E-M-B-A-R-C.com. 
And I'm just Dustin at goembark.com. And I'd love to hear from anybody. Um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm, I love this industry because of the people. So I'd, I'd love to hear from, from your listeners. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Dustin. Listen, it's been a pleasure, a delight, a thrill to talk to you today. Uh, you've been a fascinating guest, and I appreciate your time that you've given us. So thank you again very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions for me, please reach out to Dr. Leroy at CannabisEnlightened.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leroy. Thanks for listening. And remember, knowledge is power. Olas Media.